pain. Um, he has his doctorate, so is Dr. Pain. Which, man, if you got to be a professor, that's the way to go, I think, to have that name and just, you know, inflict pain on your students. We really liked Dr. Payne, me and my, my, um, my buddies, because he was wicked smart, but he was really down to earth as well. Like, he was a guy you could talk to. Um, we talked a lot with him after class. Turns out he was an outdoorsman, so we liked that about him. But another, another thing we liked about him that we noticed was he was really good with names, like he was really good at remembering names. And um, there was one day where my buddy Dave was, was hanging out with Dr. Payne and that kind of somehow came up in conversation. And he's like, Dr. Payne, we've noticed you're really good with names. Um, and my buddy Dave's like, I'm kind of a dummy when it comes to names. So like, do you have any tricks or, you know, that, you know, like uh, suggestions for how to get better at names? And Dr. Payne just looked at Dave. He's like, it's pretty simple. You just remember what's important to you. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and my, my buddy Dave winced a little bit. He said he had to remove the foot out of his mouth before he could walk away from the conversation. And he was recounting this to me. And I remember when he said this, he's like, yeah, Dr. Payne said it's pretty simple. You just remember what's important to you. I remember hearing that and going, because <laughs> I've said that before. I've been like, I'm just not very good with names. In fact, let's just start off this, you know, it's church. Let's, true confessions. Raise your hand if you've ever said the phrase, I'm just not that good with names. I know I just said this horrible story. Thank you for your honesty. I really appreciate that. Um, but but uh, yeah, like the truth is, I, here, my, the goal for the next five minutes is I want to help us to see we're not as bad as names as we think we are. I, for, like take me, for instance. If you were to come over to my house and we were going to you know, go down into like the basement or the garage area, kind of the man cave area of my house, and you see all my gear, which I would love to show you. I love to show my gear off. I could, and some of you could probably do something similar, I could go through all of the stuff on my rack, on my shelves, and name, what it, you know, name the brand, name the model, name where I got it from, name the price that I bought it for, name who I lent it to, who didn't borrow, you know, bring it back to me. I, could, I, I remember all of those. I could name all of those things. Likewise, if you opened up one of my fly boxes that I'm a fly fisherman, you'd be like, hey, Josh, what's this? I'd be like, that's a red copper john. Oh, Josh, what's it? That's a blue wing olive. That's a royal wolf. That's a San Juan worm, hot pink. I could name, I, it, like, basically, you'd be like, so let me get this straight, Josh. You can name all the names in your fly, the, the flies in your fly box, but you don't think you're very good at names. They're like, yeah, that's right. But maybe I'm better at names than I think. I mean, I remember those things because that's what I'm interested in, right? That's what's important to me. That's what I like to do. I'm excited by those things, so I remember them. I, I think the same thing could s be said for you. You're actually probably better at names than you think. In fact, let's just play a little game. We're going to have a little fun in church. We're going to talk in church this morning. Ready for this? Let's talk football, okay? Fill in the blank. If I say Kansas City Chiefs, right? Miami, Green Bay, my parents are from Wisconsin, so I was expecting them to scream, but they didn't. Um, I would never, ever say the name Oakland because that's the name that should not be uttered, especially in church, okay, seriously. Um, but what if I say Denver? Thank, I think we need a little. Denver. Yes, the three-time world champs. The last time they won the, the, world, uh, the world Series. Sports, 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 sports. <laughs> Last time they won the Super Bowl, um, they were led to that victory by Peyton Manning. 
yeah, you know all those names, right? We could just keep going with that because those, yeah, it's, it's, we're in, we're, we, like, we know the things that we're interested in, that were important to us, that we're entertained by. Let's do movies, shall we? Star Wars. If I say the name Luke, Skywalker. yeah, and, and Luke Skywalker, well, who's his dad? Darth Vader, yeah, and, and who's his sister? Princess Leia, that's right, and if I'm doing all sorts of spoiler alerts here if you've never seen those. If you haven't seen those movies, you have a larger problems than spoiler <laughs> alerts, though, so, um, yeah, uh, let's do, um, uh, oh, yeah, and Leia, Princess Leia is married to Han Solo, and Han Solo's good buddy is an eight-foot-tall Chewbacca, right, and there's that gold guy, C. Okay, okay, just pause for a second. This name, C-3-P-O. Why do I remember that? Like, I don't remember random letters otherwise and numbers. You know, like, we, I have a hard time remembering my, the pin for my, my credit card. My, you know, about C-3-P-O, that's on the tip of my tongue. Why? Because we remember what we're, uh, what's important to us, what we're interested in, what we're entertained by. It, it, uh, I, oh, let's do one more, one more movie. Pirates of the... Okay, and you know some of the, the, the um, characters in there, William Turner, Elizabeth Swan. Yeah, she becomes Turner. That's good. So that's a little difficult. How about this one? Jack. Yeah, yeah, but it's not. It's Captain Jack Sparrow, right? Right. You have to make the distinction because it's Pirates of the Caribbean. And, pi- and, and, and Captain Jack Sparrow is played by Johnny Depp, Right. And, and what else Johnny Depp, is, he uh, name some other characters that Johnny Depp plays. Yeah, just his hands. Willy Wonka, what? Mad Hatter. Uh, Sweeney Todd, I forgot about that one. Gilbert Grape. Like, okay, okay, okay. And, and Johnny Depp, I don't know if you remember this, but Johnny Depp, like five years ago, ten years ago, looked at living in Evergreen. And he came and he stayed at the Highland Haven. And I, the word was he was going to go up Upper Bear Creek. And, and li- he was looking at Willie Nelson's old place. You see what I'm doing with all these names? And Willie Nelson used to play on tour with a guy named Merle Haggard. And I saw them once about 10 years ago. I backstage pass. You can see. So, and, but going back to Johnny Depp, I, you want, I'm try, uh, here's the point. You see the point I'm trying to make? So we say we're bad at names. And yet we know 28 different names for a guy that we've never even met. Probably never will. Is it possible? And, and here's the thing. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Like, oh, you know, like uh, the movies are more important to me than people, I guess. You know, it's like I'm not actually, I'm actually trying to help us to see we're better at this than we think. I'm trying to help us to see that is it possible that you're better with names than you give yourself credit for, um, which is good, because there's a lot in the name. The names are important. People's names are important, and we know this because all of us have walked into a room before of a party or of a meeting, and it's like, hey, guy, <laughs> hey, chief, how you doing, buddy, bro? You know, guys are great. You know, guys have it good because we, when we forget a name, we have lots to fall back on. We have lot. You, I don't know what your girls have. Like, hey, sweetie, hey, sweet cheeks. Do you guys talk? Nope, girls don't talk like that. <laughs> so, why is it we're so uncomfortable when we should know somebody's name and we don't? It's because names are really, really important. 
We titled this sermon, What's in a Name? And this is part of a series called Love Where You Live. And this is a series where we are looking at the unique opportunity that you and I have not to just enjoy where we live. We enjoy where we live in Colorado, Evergreen, the mountains, wherever you live. But not just to enjoy it, but to actually love and be proactive about loving the people around you where you live. We, we talked about this last time, how uh, what if God was actually, what if God, not only did God like Evergreen, I think he did when he created it and, and he, he likes this town, but what if God not only likes Evergreen like we like Evergreen, but what if God was up to something in Evergreen and that you and I could be a part of what he's doing. And we looked at it this way. We said uh, we're going to look at how we can love where we live with our, our location, vocation, vacation, and donation. These four different areas. We'll be talking about that in the weeks to come. You know, our location, our vocation, our vacation, and our donation. Our location being the place that we live, the place that we work. What if, what if, catch, like, think about this for a second. What if, what if that's not just a, a house? Or what if it's a home in a neighborhood? And what if when you bought that place or you rented that place or you moved in with your roommates, God said, oh, I'm really excited that you are going there because there's something, because you'll be close to this person. Or I'm really excited you have this job. I know you don't like this job, but in the meanwhile, while you don't like this job, man, you've got these people around you and they need you. What if, what if we could love where we live in our location? What if we could love with our vocation, where we work? What about with our vacation? Our vacation isn't necessarily our PTO. When we talk about vacation, we're going to be talking about what do we do with our time off? What do you find yourself doing yesterday morning on Saturday morning? What do you find yourself thinking about? What do you find yourself enjoying? And, and know that God created you to enjoy that. What if God created you to enjoy that, but also created you to connect with other people around you who also maybe enjoy it, who you can name some of these things, like you know everything, you know, you know everything about that band or that hobby or whatever, and you can connect with people. And then, of course, um, our donation. That is what you have to give, and that can be money, but it also is your time and your resources. What if we love where we live with our location, vocation, vacation, and donation? And the, uh, the goal of this series is to help us to see it differently. But we started last week with... I said, uh, we, we, the title of last week's sermon was, This is a Football. Because I wanted us to go back to the basics. Before I asked you guys to go love where you live, I wanted to make sure that you know that you are loved yourself. And listen, everybody look at me. If you've had a rough week, if life is just kind of handing it to you right now, if, if, and, and you missed the last time we were together and did love where we live, I think it was two weeks ago, please go online or go on the podcast and listen to This is a Football. You need it. I'm really good at pep talks. And if you need a pep talk, go listen to it because you are loved. You are worthwhile. You are valued. And it's out of that love. Once you come to experience that love, you'll be able to love the people around you all the more. But today, today, as we talk about names and, and the importance of names, I want us to primarily focus on our location and our vocation. That is, who are the people around us when we work and where we live? Do we know who they are? Do you know who your neighbors are? If you were to draw a chart or a grid and you just name like all of the neighbors around you, could you fill in the blanks with the names of the people that are there? And are they important enough to you that you remember them? So that's why we aptly call this sermon What's in a Name? There's an interaction between Jesus and a guy 
in the New Testament that I want us to look at today that illustrates the power of a name. It's found in Luke chapter 19. And before we go there, I want, here's a little bit of a background. Luke um, was a physician. Luke, uh, so we, we call uh, the, the books that write about Jesus' life are called the Gospels. You have Matthew, you have Mark, Luke, and John. And those were their accounts of Jesus' life. Luke was a physician who um, didn't get a chance to hang out with Jesus like some of the other guys who wrote the Gospels did. And so Luke did the next best thing. He um, went and interviewed eyewitnesses, people, the disciples, and people who had experienced um, Jesus and walked with Jesus. He's like, what was it like? You know, were you there when he fed all those people? And they're like, yeah, no, I was there when, I, when he fed all those people. And, you know, like, what, what was going on? And he recorded that, and then he wrote his gospel, the gospel according to Luke. The interesting thing about the gospel to me is ha- the differences in the gospel. Every gospel has a different angle because each of them were a different person. So in, in Luke's case, he was a physician. He was a doctor. So what do you think he's fascinated by? The fact that this dude could walk around and just heal people. And so when you read the, the gospel according to Luke, you see a lot of Jesus' healing power. You see him healing people. Besides healing people, Luke was very, you find out by reading it, Luke was very interested in the down and out. He was interested in the person who was kind of on the fringe of society and interested in the the interactions that Jesus had with them. Women, he was interested in how Jesus um, um, uplifted women uh, within the society. He was interested in the weak, the lonely, and the outliers. And he dealt, another thing that's, that's cool about his gospel is the detail. The details, we'll see that today, some of the detail that he records. Um, and today, today, what I looked at in Luke 19 is one of those interactions where he's going to an outlier. Let's check it out. Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, meaning he, didn't, he wasn't intending to stay in, in Jerusalem or uh, Jericho. He was going somewhere else. He was passing through, and what's about to happen happened when he was trying to go through. Um, Verse 2, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So Jesus is entering Jericho. He's intending to go through it. And Luke wants to let us know that there's a guy in Jericho that lives in Jericho named Zacchaeus who is a chief tax collector and is wealthy. Now, Jericho, interesting thing about Jericho, Jericho is actually at the time that Jesus was around, it was a, a wealthy center of commerce. There were some balsam gardens and some palm groves that were very productive in that area. And because of that, it made a lucrative business. There was a lot of export coming out of Jericho. During that time, Israel and Jericho was part of the Roman Empire, right? And the Romans saw all of that lucrative stuff coming out of there. And they're like, well, let's make sure we get that, some of that money. Let's make sure that that's taxed. And so what they would do, what the Roman Empire would do, they were actually pretty genius. They would let cultures exist. Like they let the Jewish people be Jewish in their nation of Israel, but they weren't really their own nation. And they would let them kind of rule themselves, but they would also like make sure that they're getting taxed, that they're getting, you know, hey, you're part of the Roman Empire, so you need to give your cut. So what they would do is they would either, someone would come in and bid, and maybe you didn't know this about tax collectors, but what would happen was somebody probably uh, who had some wealth would come in and 
say, I'll go tax collect over here for you and make sure that you have all of, you know, like you're getting good ta- ample taxes from that. Um, and, and, and I'll take my cut out of what I take out of that. That's one of the ways, and people would actually bid for that, like this is my area and I'm going to tax collect over there. Another tactic of the Roman Empire, which was really smart, was to go and find insiders. Go and find people who were from that culture, spoke the language, knew about the import, knew about the trade, and, and, and say, tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, you collect taxes. This is how much we need. We're not going to pay you. Just, you know, take whatever you want on top of that, and as long as we're getting this amount, you're good. Okay? Now, tax collectors have never been popular. Can we just call that out? We don't love ta- I don't love tax collectors. You don't love tax collectors. People really didn't like tax collectors back then. Because, like, like we don't like tax collectors because we're worried, like, are you stealing from me? And there's that element of it. But on top of that, you're seeing the layers here. Zacchaeus was a Jewish man. He was a guy who was part of the culture. And not only was he tax collecting, he was wealthy. So he's, people are already looking at him saying, oh, how'd you get all that? Oh, that's right. You got it off of my working back. So they're already looking at this guy like you're a thief. And on top of that, you're a traitor. You're a person who, who you, you sold us out to, the, the, you're, you're, you're stealing from us from the inside. It's hard to really truly understand the layers of complexity and, and the disdain that the people probably had for tax collectors back then. In fact, one of the ways we see is in Luke's gospel, Luke will write, people will say, man, this Jesus guy, he hangs out with sinners and tax collectors? Like, tax collectors had their own separate category. Like, they're not just sinners. They're tax collectors. Like, they had their own separate category of evil in this mind. The only way that I think I can illustrate to make us understand what Zacchaeus, how Zacchaeus was maybe looked at was, imagine a guy selling drugs to middle school students. You're getting close. That's, I mean, like, we would look at somebody like that. That's a parasite. That's how people look. Not only are you a thief, you're a traitor, you're, you're a parasite. And not only that, Luke includes the detail. He was a chief tax collector. So he's, he's above other tax collectors. He's not just a drug dealer. He's a drug lord. Let's keep reading. Because I, 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 I know I, that there's a lot of detail. I want us to feel the angst and the layers. Because what happens next is incredible. What, this, what, what Luke says next in verse 3, he says, he, meaning Zacchaeus, wanted to see who Jesus was. Pause. Think about this for a second. He, the drug lord, wanted to see who Jesus, the rabbi, was. There was something about Jesus that Zacchaeus was drawn to. And I don't know all the details. We don't know why. We don't know. I mean, we, uh, we know that Jesus called a, uh, one of his disciples. Matthew was a tax collector. While he was, you know, maybe he had heard about that. And he's like, I want to see this guy. But here's all you need to know. When you read the Gospels, it becomes very clear. I've said this a hundred times. I'll say it a, a thousand more. People who are nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. The reason why Zacchaeus, we don't know the details, but the reason why Zacchaeus was drawn to Jesus, why, he wa- why it says, why Luke records, he wanted to see who Jesus was, was over and over and again, we see in the Gospels that people who were nothing like him, liked him. And they were drawn to him. There was something about him. There was something that was worth 
while, worth knowing that they wanted to see, even if it was from the outskirts, like, can I just stay at the, I'll stay at the back, because I don't know sure if I belong here, but I want to see this guy. We're going to see that here in a second. So, so um, Zacchaeus, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Do you see all this detail? He's short. He's trying to figure out how he's going to see him. So he climbs a sycamore fig tree. And this was a simple idea. This is, this is actually brilliant. It has, it, this is a great vantage point without becoming the focal point. He gets to climb this tree and be nobody in a tree. Nobody knows he's there. He can see all the things that are going on because he's expecting all eyes will be on Jesus, right? They're not going to be looking up in the tree. And then I can see who this guy really is. We're going to see Jesus has his own plans. Look at this. When Jesus reached the spot, meaning like near the tree, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And listen, listen. With those 11 words, starting with Zacchaeus, with those 11 words, Jesus started to change the trajectory of this man's life. We'll see here in a second. He, see, he says, Zacchaeus, here, here's, here's what I think happened in that moment or started happening in that moment. Through this, those 11 words, without saying this, this is what Jesus said to him. Zacchaeus, you are worth knowing and you are worthwhile. Zacchaeus, you are worth knowing. You are worthwhile. He starts off, he leads off with Zacchaeus' favorite word. <laughs> His own name. It's, it's your favorite word as well, not Zacchaeus. <laughs> Zacchaeus is not your favorite word. I've heard this said before that you, your, the, your favorite word to hear out of someone else's lips is your own name. I believe it's true. If you disagree, Go to a party where there's two of the same name, if you have a common name, and it's like, hey, Steve, and you're like, oh, hey, oh, oh, it's for someone else. Bummer. That happens, right? Because our favorite word is our own name. Jesus starts with his, the, Zacchaeus, and he had to. He had to start with Zacchaeus' name. We don't know how he knew his name, but he says Zacchaeus, because if he hadn't said, hey, you, if he had said, hey, you, come down here immediately. I, I'm going to your house today. Zacchaeus would be like, hmm. You got the wrong guy. You don't want to come to my house. That's going to ruin your rep. If you come to my place, that's not good for what you're trying to do. I guarantee it. But you see, see, he starts with his name, so it's undeniable. Zacchaeus, I know you. I know who you are. I know who I'm talking to. I know you who you are. Zacchaeus, you are worthwhile. You are worth knowing. Come down immediately. You hear the urgency? You've got to come down. Because... I must, it's imperative, I must go to your house today. He calls him by name and he invites him over to his house. Do you realize that Jesus is the original party crasher? He did this all the time. He's like, nope, we're going to your house. And it was actually kind of convenient because like Jesus, I don't know if you know, knew, knew this, but Jesus was homeless. So it's like, well, Zacchaeus, we're not going to my house. So I guess we're going to yours. What's for dinner? <laughs> I must go to your house today. Christy and I have two markers for good friends, for our good friends. So when we consider somebody a good, we know somebody's moved into the good friend realm. 
when one of two things happens, they can come over to our house and we don't have to clean up. You know, like we're just like, yeah, this is dumps. <laughs> come on in. And the second one is when we can go to somebody's house, a friend's house, uninvited with a half gallon of ice cream and just show up. Right? It's a good friend. Jesus, without even shaking this guy's hand, puts himself in that category. Zacchaeus, I must go to your house. What are we having? What kind of ice cream do you have? <laughs> Isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome? We're hanging out today. I must go today to your house because you're worth knowing, Zacchaeus. You're worthwhile. Verse 6. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. I mean, here's this. uh, He he felt, uh, I, I I would imagine he felt a sense of honor. Like, here's this guy who everybody's talking about. There's, we just learned there's crowds around him, right? All the focus is on him, and then he takes his focus and puts it on Zacchaeus. He's like, let's go to your house. And he's like, yeah, let's do that. He felt honored. And then this this happens. All the people saw this, began to mutter. They began to murmur, talk amongst themselves. Does he know who he is? Yeah, he just said Zacchaeus. He said his name like he knows who he is. And they said this, he's gone to be in the guest of a, uh, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner? See, it turns out that not only do people who, people who are nothing like Jesus like Jesus, it turns out Jesus likes them too. And that messed with people. Like, like wait, why, is he hang, why would a rabbi hang out there? What happens next? I can't tell you how frustrating it is to me. Because in verse 8, we find that Luke skips over the next few hours. What happens in the next few hours, we will never know. It goes like this. Luke 19, verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up. Again, time has passed. Stood up. Most likely he stood up from the meeting from like the dinner table and said to the, to the Lord, meaning Jesus, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Movies do this all the time, right? Like if, if this was a movie, you'd see Jesus and Zacchaeus walking away from the tree, it would fade out, and then it would fade in back onto a dinner table. Maybe, it's, maybe it was daytime in the first shot, and it's maybe night now. And it just zooms in, fades in, with Zacchaeus saying, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions poor. If I've cheated anybody, any, out of anything, to which if I wrote, if I was making the movie for this, I would, I would have had like Zacchaeus' friends being like, really, if you've cheated anybody? Okay, okay, since I've cheated people, you know, since I've cheated people, I will pay them back four times the amount. And every time I read this passage, I get so mad at Luke because he's like Mr. Detail, right? I'm like, okay, Mr. Sycamore Fig Tree, help me out here. What happened in the last, what the heck just happened? The guy went from, you know, tax collector to, I'm, 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 willing to, I'm willing to give this all away. Like, what did Jesus, what did Jesus do? What did he say? Did he preach? Did he do miracles? Did he tell parables? Like, what? Like, what was so effective in, in making this huge change in this dude's life? Like, what happened? Like, did he just sit down, like, pull out the Old Testament and be like, stealing, fraud? False testimony, you know, Zacchaeus, 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 like, like, buddy, clean it up here. Did he do that? I don't think so. I don't think he yelled at him. Because the reason I don't think he yelled at him is because 
If he wanted to yell at him, I think he would have done so already. Zacchaeus, come down here immediately. You know, like those, those are fighting words. I remember growing up as a kid, anytime, like my name is Josh, but Joshua, mama, if mom said Joshua, it was like, okay. If it was Joshua Levi Donoff, a storm was a brewing. It was, I was in trouble. Zacchaeus, come down here immediately. Jesus could have said, because you need, we're, we're going to have a, you're going to have a come to Jesus moment, <laughs> literally. <laughs> you and I need to talk. You need to make, you know, we need to fix up your, your junk. You got to get your crap together. You need to make restitution for all of these things. He didn't say that, that we know of. And yet here we find him hours later. That's exactly what Zacchaeus is willing to vol- voluntarily doing. See, I have a theory. The reason that Luke didn't involve or bring those details in Luke didn't record what Jesus said at the dinner table was because the most important thing that had, al- that, that had been said that day had, had already been said in those 11 words. I think Jesus had him at a hello. I think Jesus had him at Zacchaeus. I gotta come to your house. I, I don't care what the others think. I'm going with you because you are worth knowing. You are worthwhile. See, is it possible that that is what Zacchaeus needed most from Jesus that day? He didn't need a healing. He didn't need miracles. He needed him to speak his name. And his life began to change as soon as he was climbing down from that tree. (laughs) See, this is really, really good news. For two reasons. This is really, really good news. Like, Like, we need to hear this for two different reasons. Number one is, this is a football, okay? Before I talked about, again, before I ask you, again, to love where you live, we, fe- we see from this story, Zacchaeus, that you are loved. You are worthwhile. Listen, listen, listen. If you came to church this morning and you are not feeling all that comfortable about being in church, you are in exactly the right place. This is, you, I'm so glad you're here because you need to know that if you like if you if Jesus was here and you were interested in him yet just kind of keeping your distance he would come to you he would come to you he doesn't wait for us to come to him he count, he comes to us because he thinks we're so valuable and so worthwhile we need to know that this is a football that's the basics you are loved you are valuable you are worth coming for coming after so you need to know that from Zacchaeus' story, we see that. He would speak, speak to you by name because he sees that you're valuable and worthwhile. Secondly, this is why this is so important, such good news for us to hear today. What I love about this, this story, Jesus has done nothing to this point that you and I can't do. Think about it. Think about what happened with Zacchaeus that day. Jesus didn't do anything that you can't do. All he did was remember a name or learn a name, or speak a name, and invite himself over to somebody's house. You can do that. Some of you have. <laughs> you can do that. And in doing, so, you can do this, and, and when we remember people's names, when we invite people over, but, you know, and maybe the idea of inviting somebody to, 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 inviting yourself to somebody's house is terrifying you, maybe that's a horrible idea. You can take them to coffee. Do it in your own way. But do it in such a way that they feel like they're worth knowing. They're worthwhile. 
you can do these things. We can do these things. And if you've ever read the Bible <laughs> and gotten bogged down, be like, oh my goodness, I can't be this. I can't do that. I can't be Jesus. Listen, listen, listen. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can do this. Maybe you can't raise the dead and you can't heal people and you can't teach something amazing, but you can learn names. And you can invite people over for ice cream. And, and, and when you do that, you're saying to them, you're worthwhile, you're worth knowing. And if you do that, you will be more like Jesus than you know. That's what he did. Let's finish this passage. Verse 19, or verse 9. Jesus said to him, this is after, you know, remember Zacchaeus stands up, he's like, I'm, I'm giving it all away, I'm going to pay people back. Jesus said to him, today, Salvation has come. Today, as if he's saying, you are watching something unfold. <laughs> you're, you, you know, like, I don't know if he's talking to Zacchaeus or the disciples or everybody, but like, he's like, guys, something beautiful is happening right now. Today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham, which means nothing to us, but it meant everything to Zacchaeus. Remember, he's Jewish. He's a traitor, right? He has not felt like a son of Abraham anytime recently. This man, too, is a son of man. Even this man, even the drug lord. For the, and, then, and, then, and, and, and what's, what's cool is this next phrase. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. And most commentators agree that this, that verse right there is the theme verse of Luke. The whole gospel is right there. That if you were to ask Jesus, or ask Luke, Luke, what was Jesus really about? Pretty simple. He came to seek and to save the lost. And here's the thing I want us to see. If you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, this is so, this is so, this is so relieving. You are only, we are only responsible for one of those two words, right? There's seek and there's save. Guess what? We don't have to save people. Guess what? We can't. We can't fix people. I mean, let's uh, be honest. We can kind of fix ourselves. <laughs> I mean, the idea of worrying. Have you ever loved somebody and you realized you were trying to fix them and that they didn't feel loved? It's not our job. It's not our job to fix people. It's our job. That's Jesus' job. He'll save. He, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. His followers are just supposed to seek. That's it. And, and, and what's so beautiful about this is we have a perfect example. He sought after us. <laughs> he came after us. The Jesus, the fact that we have these written down is because Jesus came. We believe Jesus came. And he, he sought after us. And now we get to be like Jesus and seek out others. And they need that, just like we did. And see, my, my theory is that people don't need to be fixed. Most people, like the people, most of the people that we know, they don't need to be fixed. They just need to be sought. They don't need to be fixed up. They just need to be sought after, and we can do that. This, and, and see, this is love where you live. This is the heart. This is the essence. This is the idea of like you, viewing your location and your vocation differently, is just seeking out people. And here's the God-honest truth. They're dying. All around you, they're dying right now. It may not look like it. Here's the thing. And, and I know we live, a lot of us live in evergreen Colorado. Like, 
It's a pretty good place. And we got lots of stuff, and it's beautiful, and life is good, and like, you know, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. You know, look at all this stuff. But layers and layers underneath it is a bunch of dying people. We know this. Even suicides lately. Surprising ones. Like that guy? Like, people are dying. And they're right next to you. And you and I walk past people every day who are dying. And, and, and listen, I think what they're dying to be noticed. What if we didn't walk past them? What if we learned their names? What if we remembered who, we, who they were and invited them in? So just in, way, in doing things in a way that's saying, you are worth time. You are worth while. You're worth the energy. You can do this. You might be the one who do, does that for someone. See, that's what love where you live is all about. Love where you live is also, it's, it's really just what we're about as a church. <laughs> like, like, there's a reason we have t-shirts that say, like, love, this is important. This, honestly, we might just preach this sermon every week. I think I might talk with the staff this week and say, let's just preach this sermon over and over again. Let's just, because here's what church is. Listen, if you're beat up, if you're down and out, church is exactly where, like, it's the perfect place to be. Come in and hear the message that you are loved, you are desired, you are valuable, and then go and love others. Christianity is not that, that difficult. I know the Bible's thick. It's because God is rich and beautiful and there's lots to learn about him, but in essence, <laughs> it's just about loving him. And when you come and encounter his love, you see how loved you are. And then you go love others. That's it. That's, you want to know what we're doing as a church, Colorado Life Church? You know what we're about? We're going to love where we live. We're going we're to love God and we're going to challenge you to love others. And every Sunday, you can come in and, and we promise like every Sunday, we hope to have something here on Sunday morning that, that lifts you up, that builds you up. I need that. You need that. Like, it's okay to come on a Sunday morning empty and feel like, oh my goodness, I haven't even really thought about God in two weeks, three weeks, whatever, and just come and feel and, and, and understand his love for you a new and a fresh way. And then we'll encourage you to go and love others. That's our plan. It's pretty simple. Come with us. Love where you live and, and, and we'll, we'll be able to watch and God do some amazing thing. Here, here's, here's how I want to close this. We have this phrase um, in our family that, that goes like this, that Donifs look for lonely people. I wish I could say that we thought of it ourselves, but I think Christy like read it on Facebook or something like that. And then we found ourselves talking about it for the weeks afterwards. And we said, what if we just stole that and made it our own? What if we just said to our kids every once in a while, hey, Donifs look for lonely people. And it's become kind of one of our mottos as a family. Now, just so you know, just so you think we're not, like, we're, we're more normal than you think. <laughs> we have other mottos. We, the, we have a lot of other mottos. Like, please, Donifs flush their poop. <laughs> and Donifs don't hit their sister. And, you know, you know, like, those we say a lot more than Donifs look for lonely people. I just wanted to make that clear. But we do have this one bit of gold. Donifs look for lonely people. Today, you're Donif, today. I want to invite you into that. I want, I want you to make that. I, I, want, I, I would ask you and encourage you, make that your motto as well this week. You look for lonely people. Call them by name. They're dying to hear it. They haven't heard their favorite word in a long time, some of them. 
And as I'm talking, you, some of you actually know, you, you know exactly who I'm talking about. I don't know who they are, but you, there's a, a, someone that comes to mind that you work with. It's lonely. You know it. That's what, you, that, that's what you're supposed to do this week. If you're a Christian, that's what you're supposed to do. That, that's what God wants you to do this week. Love them. If you're not a Christian, I would invite you into this. I, I, would, I would say, look for lonely people. The, it, it, it will make life better and it will make you better at life. It, it's just a good thing to do. But what if we could love where we live? What if God is inviting us into something incredible? I believe that you and I have a unique opportunity. That we're perfectly, I believe you are perfectly positioned to look for lonely people. Do that this week. Let me pray. God, I thank you for those 11 words that you said to Zacchaeus. I thank you for those 11 words that you, say, you said to us. By dying on the cross, you, you said to us that, you, that, that we are worthwhile. We are worth dying for. And for those of us who need to step into that this morning and just feel that new again or for the first time, I pray that we'd start there. For all of us, Lord, I pray that we would experience a, another dose of your love this morning. But I also pray, Lord, that we would not just harbor that love, that that love wouldn't just be for us, but we would, it would challenge us to go and love others. Man, it's so needed. People are dying around us. They're wondering if they're worthwhile. Lord, um, we offer ourselves as as people as a church that is willing to go and say the name. Amen.